You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good evening. I am your announcement video. So there's Nerf War for all ages on Friday night. What time does that start, Francel? 6.30. So I don't know what you're supposed to bring, but just bring it and have fun. It's going to be fun. It'll be right in here. And then um, we're asking everybody to pray for Sammy Mendoza. If you know Sammy and Ileana, uh, they've been around here forever. But he, he came up to me Sunday and uh, he says, man, pray for me, man. I've been having chest pains. So I looked at him and how old are you, Sammy? And we had that talk. And uh, a typical guy, do you know what that means? Like we put off things. So, uh, well, he He's uh, in, in, this morning he called me up and we were talking last night too, but he had an angiogram, so they found three blocks and he's going to have to have open heart surgery tomorrow. So let's pray for Sammy uh, and Ileana. Lord, we pray for your kids and we ask that you would just direct the surgeons and that Sammy would just uh, go through this procedure, the surgery in such a way where even the doctors would be amazed. Heal him up, Lord, and raise him up. We thank you that there's no real serious damage to his heart and um, that they found this blockage. And uh, Lord, we just pray you'd be with him. And we know there are many others in the body that have, uh, are on our prayer list and have called in and have approached us to pray for them. Lord, we lift up the sick in our body and we pray you would heal them up and raise them up in Jesus' name. Amen. And then um, tomorrow night, we're going to have a memorial service for Larry Larson. It's going to be down in the cafe at 6 o'clock. And then we have a reception afterwards. We'll have some food. Uh, so if you want to come out and support that, that would be great. Um, tonight, we're going to be um, looking at another chapter in the book of Joshua. We're going to look at chapter 14. So let's turn our Bibles over to Joshua chapter 14. In um, chapters 12 and 13, we saw Joshua began to divide up the land. Um, There were major battles that were needed to be fought in order to conquer the land. And um, all of that, as far as the major battles, those were recorded in chapters 5 through 11, a little bit into chapter 12, and um, the campaign, as far as conquering the land, was over. There were still uh, some rulers in the land, some enemy in the land that would still need to be, uh, there there were still battles. And uh, so God had given the land by virtue of promise, and now by virtue of victory, leading them in through the leadership of Joshua and conquering through these battles that, you know, the Lord had given them. So um, they had to take the steps, the necessary steps of faith uh, to claim it. They had to cross the Jordan. Um, Remember that? Following the the priest carrying the ark and God had held back the the waters. Just every part of it was God was in it. Um, Every battle, every victory was God was in it. He was working on behalf of his people. So we said, you know, that their ownership of, of the land, there's nothing they did to deserve that. It wasn't that 
it was their conquering the land. God conquered their enemy. Um, it was a gift, a gracious gift of God, and their ability to possess the land and enjoy the land all hinged on their obeying God's word as we saw God commanding Joshua back in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, that they would need to observe all of the law and, um, you know, just don't turn from it was another part of that direction. Don't turn to the right hand to the left. Just follow my word. Obey um, my word. Uh, just observe it and do everything according that is written in it, that you would be prosperous and have good success. So that, that, was, that was their um, orders from the Lord. Um, and so they come in, they conquer the land, and now there's the dividing up of the land. Uh, beginning in chapter 13, they were in Gilgal. And um, the first tribes, you remember, that were addressed were uh, Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh. And they were the ones that had made a deal with Moses saying, you know, we, we don't want to go into the west side, into the promised, you know, boundaries of land that God uh, promised to Abraham and to us as his people. We'd like to stay on the east side, and we just called them borderline Christians. And uh, at the end of our study last time, we, we realized that didn't work out real well for them. Um, they would go in and help conquer the land, but after that, when it was time for the land to be divided up, they're like, hey, 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 we had a deal with Moses early on. Um, we know he's dead. You've taken his place over these last, last five years. We've been loyal to you and faithful to you and that, you know, we had to come in and help with the conquest. But we still want to be on the east side of the Jordan. And we talked about, you know, Canaan really pictures being in the center of God's will. And um, for whatever reasons, they, they were like, no, 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 no. We're okay outside of God's will and his permissive will, not his perfect will. And uh, we gave some scriptural reference out of uh, 1 Chronicles where it talked about when the enemy really began to take over the land, they were the first ones to be um, defeated. So the Reuben and Manasseh and Gad on the east side, that was taken care of. And um, then when we get into chapter 14, uh, the focus is on the promised land, the west side, the perfect will of God, and the allotment of the land on uh, that side of the Jordan. Um, we would call that Canaan proper. And you're going to have nine and a half tribes that God is going to be dealing with there. Uh, he's in this chapter. We're going to begin with Judah in the south and Ephraim um, and the other half of Manasseh and whatnot um, in these next few chapters. So in verse 1 of chapter 14... These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eliezer, the priest, Joshua, the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses, for the nine tribes and the half a tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half of tribe on the other side of the Jordan. So he recounts what Gad and Reuben and the other half of Manasseh had already received. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan. But 
And then he gives reference to the Levites, which we talked about again. The Levites had, um, he had given no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph, and then he begins to talk about were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And they gave no part to the Levites, he references that again in the land, except the cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. And again, we noted that the inheritance was by, by lot, as the Lord commanded Moses. In Numbers chapter 26, again, if you note takers, the Lord had instructed Moses that each tribe was to receive um, part of the territory that would be proportionate to its population. Um, and they would do that with the casting of lots to kind of determine its location. In verse 54 of chapter 26, it says, to a large tribe you shall give a larger inheritance, to a small tribe a smaller inheritance. Um, each one according to those who were numbered of them. But again, the land shall be divided by lot. So here we are seeing that begin um, to happen. So according to Jewish tradition, what is this whole lot thing? Um, according to Jewish tradition, the name of the tribe was drawn from an urn, and simultaneously the boundary lines of the territory were, were drawn from another urn. Um, this method, again, was designed to, um, you know, to each tribe. Um, don't look at it as blind chance. Blind chance did not decide the tribal location. God was um, subordinating the whole, the whole, you know, giving out or the lot of land. In Proverbs 16, 33, it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. This is just one of the ways that God used to direct his people. Again, we noted that the word lot is referred to over and over in this passage, um, almost 22 times in the book of Joshua. And um, we, we talked about it, looking at it as God's allotment. We referred to this even Sunday morning at the close of our study. And it's, it's, it's like this. As God says, Lance, here's your perfect will, or my perfect will, excuse me, for your life. I do have a perfect will for my life, but that has to be put to death, right? I need to find God's perfect will. You need to find God's perfect will. It's an allotment. And we talked about, yeah, there's valleys in that land, and there's mountaintops. There's springs, and there's deserts. There's times when the land will rest. And then there's times when... Well, we just still have some battles. There's times when we're not dealing with the enemy. There's times when we have to deal with the enemy. But God in his wisdom, this is important, he knows what we need. Whatever season, <laughs> whatever, whatever, wherever you're at, whatever age you are, whatever stage you find yourself at, God has an allotment for you. And in his wisdom, again, he knows what we need. He, he knows what we need between now and eternity. He just knows. He knows. He knows what we've, we've, we've needed from the very moment that we gave our life to him. Here's your lot. 
even before that. But as believers, when it comes to his will, I always like to say he saves us with a purpose in mind. And we might look at the difficulties of life sometimes. I don't like some of the difficulties of life. I don't. There's some of them I'm like, okay, I can handle this. And some of them I'm like, man, this is a long deal. I don't like it. I just don't like it. But the Lord's not all about, Lance, I'm going to, you know, is it based on do you like it or do you not like it? It's based on his sovereignty, on his foreknowledge, and whether or not I need it. And so what we landed on last week is when we look at God's allotment, we want to say, what does he want to teach me? What does he want to produce in me? And what does he want to work through me? And that's how we want to look at the battles in our life, the hardship in our life, even the good times in our life, the blessings in our life. We need to fully embrace our lot. That's what we landed on. We also talked about the Levites. Again, he mentions it twice more here. We referenced that, that there was no specific portion of land given out to them. Um, Four times in chapters 13 and 14, it says that they were given no inheritance. Here again, we read it twice in chapter 13, but here um, that except that they had cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property. In other words, there would be an area that they could hang their hat, but as far as like that's our land, the whole land, God would spread them out around in different cities They, of course, would be taken care of by virtue of portions from the sacrifice. There were also, there's also giving base that would would start in areas and they would support the the, the Levites um, with the giving that would come in. Um, But the, the whole idea was that the Lord was their portion. The Lord was their inheritance. And that's just a great, I don't know, thing to, to, to apply to ourselves. Um, as well. And there's just something about looking at the spiritual responsibilities of two and a half million people and saying, I'm going to need to kind of free up some of these guys to help them grow, help my people grow spiritually, to represent me to them and represent them to myself through their spiritual duties. So he wanted them to devote themselves to him and to the people. And so he set it up just that way. Verse 10, or verse 6, excuse me. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and one of them by the name of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Canish Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, they made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore in that day saying, surely The land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And behold, verse 10, 
The Lord has kept me alive. And has, he has these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day and I'm 85 years old. And so as they, they're, they're gathering the different tribes, they're in Gilgal. So this is a massive amount of people drawn back to Gilgal. Gilgal, again, was a place that they would, they would gather when they would prepare for battles and they would come back after the Lord would give them victory in their battles. And so here they are in this particular time. Joshua would call up the, 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 the leaders of the tribe. And he would say, now we're going to cast lots and we're going to talk about where you're going. And so... There's all kinds of speculation as to why um, the tribe of Judah would go first. Uh, a lot of scholars just believe, well, Joshua is there and Caleb, they were the two faithful spies out of the 12 spies who there at Kadesh Barnea, it would have been uh, 45 years ago, 40 years of the wilderness wandering, five years in conquering the land. And now here we are. And I think it would have been just kind of like, okay, where's Caleb? You guys, you've been faithful. We're going we're gonna to just, God wants to, to, to give you your lot first. Since, since that time, Caleb would be thinking about the promise. Since that day, 45 years ago, when he came back from spying out the land, he spent 40 days in the land with 11 other guys. Joshua was one of them. And he would come back and holding on, just unwavering, as it were, to the word of God, the promise of God, the command of God. This land is my land that I'm giving you. It's time to go in. And he would come back. They would find this big old cluster of grapes. They'd put it on a pole. They would bring in some pomegranates and figs. They just were like, you know, check out what, what the land is like. God said that it was a, a fruitful land, that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And Caleb, for all of these years, he would never have forgot that. That just, man, I can't wait to get back to, into the rest of the people and, and show them that God's word is true, to show them that what God said is accurate. And so him and, him and Caleb come back, and I'm going I'm to read the account um, because I think it's, it's important. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, we have the account, and they are, they are at Kadesh Barnea, that's the border going into the promised land, not in the promised land, it's outside of the promised land, for 40 days, the 10 spies went in, 12 spies, excuse me, went in. 10 of them come back with a negative report. Joshua and Caleb have the positive report. And there's going to be a rebellion by the people. So, and this is where Caleb and Joshua are going to hear some interesting things. But um, it says in verse 34 of Deuteronomy chapter 1, And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry. And he took an oath saying, Surely, so he was hearing the murmuring of the people. And he was angry. Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to your fathers except Caleb. He shall see it 
and to him his children. I am giving the land on which he walked. He heard this. Because he wholly followed the Lord. The Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in. But Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit. Speaking of just Israel as a leader there, of taking them in. How encouraging would that have been? Following, you know, they, they come back. The, the, the report is, is uh, give a report, what was it like? And we'll read that account in a minute. But, you know, 10 of the spies give, yeah, it is a land fill, you know, filled with milk and honey, but. And, and they begin to talk about the enemy and the size of the enemy and the walled city and all of that. And, and there's like no way we can. We, they basically came out of the land after 40 days and went, no, we cannot go in. They doubted the promises of God's word. They said no to the command of God. God said, go in and you're going you're to inherit the land. They said, no, we can't. Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, were like, yes, we can. What was it like once the people started murmuring and were like, man, Moses, have you brought us out here just to kill us? You know, they wanted, to, they wanted Moses' head on, on a, they wanted to kill him. The people murmured, were so upset with Moses that they wanted to kill him. And God's anger was aroused. And he's like, I am not happy with these people, but I'm really happy with you, Joshua, and I'm really happy with you, Caleb. And, and to, to just hear that, you know what? You're actually going to go in. You're actually going to, where you just walked, you're going to walk on that land another day. How pumped they would have been 40 years later having endured the wilderness wandering. For 40 years they hadn't been in, but now they are in. And for five years they've been conquering the land. And now we're finally, because we've been obedient and faithful and unwavering in our faith, the day has come. And when the day comes, what does Caleb do? He stands forward as an 85-year-old man and goes, I remember when God spoke to me in my 40s. That's like me saying, I remember when God spoke to me in my 20s, and I'm still here. Amen. That's what he's saying. I'm not sure how long you've walked with the Lord, but we need to be encouraged in our pilgrim journey. Amen? We need that. As God's redeemed family... We have already received our inheritance. We've talked about that, the application. By faith, we claim every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 there, 1 through 3. And this inheritance that Peter talks about as well, this inheritance that God has given us through the hope of Jesus Christ Raising from the dead. We have an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and will never fade away. It's already ours. They had to step out in faith. We have to step forward 
in faith. God has already given us every blessing of the Spirit and our inheritance. We just got to step out in faith. Keep stepping out in faith and possess. Move forward and possess every spiritual blessing that God has given us now and eternity that awaits us past our last heartbeat. There's no middle ground. We move forward. Another observation is it says Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him. Now, back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 19, the Kenizzites were a tribe of Canaan in Abraham's day. We're going way back. Caleb's family then somehow was originally outside the covenant of the commonwealth of Israel, just like Ruth the Moabitess, just like Uriah the Hittite and others. The, the Kenizzites, in part, would have joined the tribe of Judah before the Exodus. So their faith was not hereditary. Their faith was the fruit of their conviction. And they, they just saw something they wanted to be part of, and they moved forward by faith and became part of the tribe of Judah. And Caleb would display that faith throughout the entirety of his life. It's just an interesting observation. So standing now before his friend, who is a general by the name of Joshua, Caleb would remind him of that event 45 years earlier when the two of them stood alone against the two other spies in this very cowardly, faithless mob. Numbers 13 is a good read on that. I'll, I'll skim through it. But it, it, it talks about that particular, like they come back in verse 23 with the, the, this branch of cluster of grapes on a pole. They bring in the pomegranates. They bring in the figs. In verse 25, they come to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of Israel there at Kadesh. So we're on the edge of the wilderness getting ready to go in the promised land. They walk up with that fruit. They showed them the fruit of the land. And they said, you know, when we went into the land where you sent us for these last 40 days, it truly does flow with milk and honey and all the fruit. And then obviously it was the 10 faithless spies. Nevertheless, the people in verse 28 who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Uh-huh. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, these giants. The Amalekites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the ites were there. Ites, 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 everywhere we looked. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So that tells me something that when they said this, the people started a little bit of chatter. Oh, we were thinking milk and honey, not ites and giants. Caleb had to quiet the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the other spies, the ones that went up with them, the ten, not Joshua and Caleb, said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. 
Have you bumped into a Christian that's ever given you a bad report and bummed you out? It's amazing what 10 negative reporters can do to two and a half million people. Oh, just let that sink in. We're not able to go. And they gave the children of Israel a report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants. We saw the descendants of Anak, and they came from giants. We were like grasshoppers in their own sight. And so we were in their sight, like like grasshoppers. In verse 1 through 9 of chapter 14 of Numbers, the congregation lifted up their voices, and they cried out, and they wept all night. They really got upset about this. And they began to complain against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Isn't it amazing how fast a Christian can forget their bondage? A believer? If only we had died in the wilderness. Yeah, that's a good take. Why has the Lord brought us up into this land? To fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better for us just to go back into bondage? And then they, (laughs) this must have just really deflated Moses and Aaron. Therefore, let us select another leader and return to Egypt. That 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 was a real downer of a day, okay? Moses and Aaron, they fell on their faces in verse five before the assembly and the congregation and the children of Israel. This devastated them. But notice verse six, Joshua and Caleb They tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land that we passed through and spied out was exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. This land that flows with milk and honey. Don't you love those kind of people in your life? No matter what's going on, they bring God in the equation. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear people. Imagine having to say that to to the followers of Christ, to the body of Christ, to the children of God. Don't let fear hold you back from what God has called you to be. Imagine having to say that to the followers of Christ. Don't let fear hold you back. Every generation probably needs to hear that, wouldn't you agree? For they are but bread. Looking at the enemy through the, through the eyes of Caleb and Joshua, the faith of them, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. So don't fear them. I think we could come out here on a Sunday morning when our whole church is here and just say that over and over. The Lord is with us. Don't fear them. And everybody say amen. And let's say again. The Lord is with us. Don't fear them. And everybody say amen. We could do that for an hour. And we might start chipping away at this thing. Amen? Amen. You see, the ten spies measured the giants against their own strength. Joshua here and, and, and Caleb, they measured the giants against God. They looked at that 
and said, brought God in the equation, like, they're dust. In response, God said to Moses and Aaron, as we read out of Deuteronomy, here's Numbers report, you know, how long shall I bear with this evil generation who complained against me? I've heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. So all from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb and Joshua. They heard this. Caleb and Joshua heard this too. <laughs> shall by no means, means enter the land. They will die in the wilderness in a 40-year funeral march, basically. So this guy, 45 years ago, heard that. For 45 years, he's held on to this promise. 45 years. He has held on to the promise that God is good. He held on to the promise that God has a plan and he knew what that plan was and he was not going to let go. This is a man of faith that refused to waver. It could be said of Caleb what was said of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 verse 20. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that he had promised he was able to perform. Speaking of just the whole him and his wife and being barren and having children. Caleb, for 40 days, had a fixed focus on the promise of God. You might say he had, he had a glimpse of it for 40 days. He, he saw their inheritance. He saw his inheritance. And he was not letting go. I'm just not going to let go. At 40 and 45 years later, he's pointing back to that day. And he's basically saying this. I have not let go. Amen. I haven't let go. What a moment 40 years later, when at 85 years of age having been through all of the difficulties of the wilderness wandering. The, the last couple of years, the amount, not just because of COVID, just because of age and COVID, and, but the amount of sickness and death and funerals, and it's just, it's difficult. You're, you're, you're talking, I don't know, over a million and a half people would die in the wilderness wandering. You're talking funerals all day long. You're talking just, and they had their battles. And, you know, we go through the wilderness and we see that the people murmured and complained from the day that they were at Kadesh Barnea for 40 years, they murmured and complained. But Joshua and Caleb had to watch this. They had to watch for 40 years the effects of unbelief. That's just hard to watch when you see Unbelief taking its toll on people that we know and love. For 40 years, they watched this with just a lot of people. But during those 40 years, it was holding on to the promises of God that held on to them, that held them, that motivated them, that drove them. Pressing on and pushing through. Nothing could dissuade him from his conviction of holding on to the promise of God. Nothing. And so what a thrill it must have been on that day for Joshua, his buddy, who's also 
not as old, but probably up there, say, it's time. We got Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh taken. They're off to the east. Now it's time to deal with, with, with Canaan proper, with, with the land that God has allotted here. Caleb! And Caleb comes and, and whoever is with Joshua to, to, to do the lots and all that, you know, before he does that, Caleb's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we do that, I've got a word to say. I, want, I just want, I, Joshua, do you remember? Do you have any of those friends that you, you see them and you're like, do you remember, man? You remember we started walking with the Lord together? Do you remember when God's word began to just solidify in our heart together? Do you remember when we decided no turning back together? I remember being at a camp and I was in, I was in 10th grade and that's, that's when I kind of got serious for the 15th time that year. But it stuck. I was like, you know, you're in high school. And I remember I was with one of my, my best friends, Robert Burnett. He's a pastor now. I'm a pastor now. And I remember we just took a walk and, and he goes, are you done playing the game? And I'm like, yeah, I'm done playing the game. It was, you know, we were at camp all week. We were just seeking the Lord. Some of you grew up in church. You know what I'm talking about. You have these like life-changing moments. And I remember we went, I, I like telling the story at youth camps, but uh, you're young, so. But I remember we, we went up, the, the chapel, they were up in the chapel, and we had snuck out and had this big cry thing with the Lord and whatnot. And there was, we went below the chapel, and we were kind of in the back there, the windows, it was a summer night, and we began to just confess all the lameness, just scream it out. Lord, I'm tired of doing this. Lord, I'm tired of it. I will never pursue that girl again. Blah, we're naming names and everything. And, and our youth pastor comes running out, and he goes, Guys, better shut up. Everyone can hear you. <laughs> but that was the way the Lord was closing the door on a lot of that. You said it. <laughs> we heard you. <laughs> but I remember coming back, and Robert's dad was our pastor. And he says, I, I hear you and Lance had a, finally, a wake-up call. And back then, this is when Sunday nights were like the thing to go to. And he's like, I want you both to get up on Sunday night and share. It's one thing to like confess all that to the, to the Lord and hope no one's listening, then they are. And, then he's, and it wasn't like get up and confess. He goes, I just want you guys, the church needs to see some young men that God has grabbed a hold of their hearts. And so what a moment that must have been for these two aged guys to look back when they were in their, you know, just turning 40 and, coming out of their 30s and do you remember do, do you remember when we we went in Joshua yeah remember that cluster of grapes yeah wasn't that so cool when we brought it to Moses and people were all excited and then our other Tim faithless bros just started a murmuring campaign that just went through the whole camp Do you remember how many times we had to remind each other to stay true and faithful? For 40 years? Yeah. How many battles did we fight together? Building our faith, building each other's faith. How many times do we want to quit and you reminded me and I wanted to quit and you reminded, I reminded you or vice versa, however that's supposed to work. We didn't. 
What a thrill it must have been to say to Joshua, before you cast that first lot, you know the word which the Lord said about us to Moses when I was 40 and you were, you were just a little younger. How after spying out the land, we returned. And Joshua, I brought back what was in my heart. I brought back what was in my heart. You remember how the ten spies were like saying, we're not able to go in because they're stronger. The enemy's stronger. And that made the people's heart melt. Yeah, I remember that. But, but I, I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses saw that in you and he saw that in me. And he said to me that surely the land where your foot has, has walked that's going to be your inheritance and our children's inheritance. Oh, Joshua, look back. Isn't God so faithful to keep his word? And I like it this. It's like he has, he has kept me alive even. It's not like just he made this crazy promise one day. No, he's kept me alive in order to fulfill that promise. And here I am this day. I'm 85. <laughs> oh, to have unshakable faith. Un un unshakable conviction that the Lord delights in me. That's what he realized. At whatever age and whatever stage. He had heard the word of God. He had stepped out in faith. He had got a glimpse of what God had promised. It wasn't his yet. That would come in 45 more years and a lot more battles. He saw, he believed. That's why he said, I brought back what was in my heart. When everyone other than Joshua and Caleb doubted God's word, Caleb did not, of course. And Moses, remember, he said, because I wholly followed the Lord. That's why I'm here. So verse 11, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me in to spy out that land. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You know, at the age of 85, I think most might be asking for a quiet place to plop down their easy chair. Not Caleb. He asked Joshua for mountains to climb and for giants to conquer. He requested that he be given the same section of land that had struck fear into the heart of the ten spies. This was the inheritance he desired in fulfillment of God's earlier promise. Most seasoned saints like to take the easy way in their latter years and and. and you know, they don't want conflicts. They like to talk about the previous conflicts. If you ever get around 
you know, the seasoned saints, they like to, they like to talk about the previous wars and then all the medication they're taking. <laughs> but Caleb, he was ready for new ones at 85. His strength never weakened. I'm as strong this day as the day 45 years ago, Moses is like, go in and spy out the land. Alan Redpath says, and I quote, a faith that never wavered had enabled him to lay hold of a strength that never weakened. It was the very power of God himself. And I like the way that he says this. It just wasn't just this pride or this proud, you know, flipping kind of guy. No, no, no. It may be that the Lord will be with me. His strength was in the Lord. He knew that, that God was with him and that God would never fail him. So 85 years later, his confidence is in the Lord. It's in his word. I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. That's where his faith was, in God and his word. So 45 years later, he's, he's still the same guy that Moses recognized 45 years ago. A man who wholly is following the Lord, his God. To the point where he was eager to fight the Anakites at Hebron and take that city for his possession. The Lord helping me, I will drive them out. And in chapter 15, I won't waste that, but, but he did. He did. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Ahaman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. That's what it says. Now, why that's so cool is that once all of the land is divided up and they're like, okay, here's your lot, and you've got to go and still take out some enemy in your area. The others... Not Caleb and the tribe of Judah, but all of the others had a difficult time, made very poor headway. And as you get to the last part of the book of Joshua, we hear over and over and over, they were not able to drive out the enemy. But Caleb was, although there was three giants in the, the portion of land allotted to him, like groups of giants. The man who fully followed the Lord fully experienced victory in the Lord. Amen. Starting at the age of 85. I don't know. It's just a really cool story. We are never too old to make new conquests in faith by the power of God. At Caleb, we can capture mountains and we can, we, can, we can conquer the enemy, giants, if again, we wholly follow the Lord. No matter how old we are, we, we, you know, we might retire from work, that was my career, but we never should retire from trusting Jesus Christ and serving him. We just never should. 
Another Red Path quote. We are conscious. Let us face this together in the presence of God that so often we have failed to drive out the enemy. He is still lurking in a stronghold within us of which we are bitterly ashamed in our best moments. He still knows the weak points in our armor. But I have always found that failure to drive out the enemy in my life is always due to failure of wholly following the Lord. So there is a flaw, some draining away of spiritual strength, some sapping of spiritual vitality. And then, otherwise the enemy would have been exterminated. Absolute triumph is achieved only in response to our utter obedience. God only knows, as he searches our hearts, the leakage in our consecration, the flaw in our obedience, the breakdown in following him, which have resulted in our failure utterly to examine the foe. God forgive us. The Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts. Red path is pretty direct there. I love that. Verse 13, as we turn the corner here, and Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron. Gave Hebron to, the, to Caleb, the son of Jephthah, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite to this day. And he even referenced it because he fully, wholly, excuse me, followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjoth Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. When at the age of 40 years old, Caleb toured and inspected the land, it just seems that one place captured his heart. Hebron. It wasn't just... You know, the, the milk and the honey in that portion of the land that appealed to him, all of that would have been just like secondary. He wanted Hebron. And it was situated in a, a rugged mountain. It was one of the most impenetrable, fortified strongholds of the enemy. And it was guarded by one of the strongest of the giants. Arba was a giant among the Anakites. A nation of giants. And so we look at this and we're like, what is this picture? This 85-year-old man who wholly followed the Lord. It, it, it pictures to his towering faith in God. It just does. But it also points to his fellowship or his desired fellowship with God, which is the secret. You see, Hebron was also the place where Abraham had pitched his tent. There God had spoken to Abraham face to face. There God had given Abraham the promise of the land. The word Hebron even speaks of fellowship and communion. That place was something that Caleb cherished as well. And it's the place that we must all seek. And it's the place that we must all find. And that's why the enemy will always put like his strongest between that place 
of intimacy and fellowship with the Lord and us. Our enemy will even lure us with portions of the land, plains and valleys that appeal to our flesh, <laughs> like Gad and Reuben in the half-tribe of Manasseh. Anything to keep us out of communion and fellowship with God. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Don't make this a when I become 85 message. Okay? Apply it to your life right now. Apply it to your life right now. And, and as, as some of us are getting older, I say that as one of those now. I talk to a lot of my friends that are in their 50s and getting their 60s and some of them getting up in their 70s now and I'm like, we say it a lot. Man, we don't even say goodbye. We're like, let's finish well. We just encourage one another on. Let's, let's finish well. And, and part of that is just realizing more and more each day, this is not our home, you guys. It's a pilgrimage. And as we are on this pilgrimage, in this pilgrimage, we will always have battles. But God has given us his word. And God has given us his strength. He's with us. If God be for us, who can be against us? And there will be times when we are defeated. Every one of us have a few AIs in our past this year. And AI is, I thought I was going about that the right way, and man, did I get defeated. Then we back up, and what did we say? We learn, right? God wants to teach us something, and he wants to produce something in us and do something through us. That's what, okay, let's come back around at that now. We're going to seek the Lord this time, and we're going to find victory because he's in it. And I desire that for me, for, for me and Lori, our family. I desire that for all of us. And we do see a lot of Christians these days struggling and being defeated by the enemy. And it's, in, it's, it's encouraging me to see the, the hunger in the body of Christ around. I see you guys here in the middle of a week. Any of you guys that are online right now, I can't see you, but I believe you're there. And it, it encourages me to, to see people seeking the Lord together. It really does. Because we're, we're going to be finding victory one step at a time. Amen? One day at a time. And we need each other. We need to be Joshua and Caleb-like to one another. Because there's always going to be a majority around us questioning God and doubting God. And we're going to need each other to be reminding us and ourselves of the promises of God. Hang in there. Finish well. Holy follow the Lord God of Israel. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your word and the encouragement in this chapter. Man, just thank you for the Joshua's and the, the Caleb's.
and even Moses, Lord. Just thank you for their, and Aaron, the amazing example of these men of faith. Not perfect. Oh, how can we identify with that? <laughs> but they are, are men that learn from their failures and continue to put their faith in you. And, and it's great to see them as they're at that time where you're blessing their life and they're inheriting the land and the promises that you gave them are beginning to be fulfilled and what joy that must have brought to their hearts and it joyed to our hearts when we see that. Help us to live this out and apply this. In Jesus' name we pray.